you are going to be more successful as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, as a business owner, if you can focus in your marketing. Because if you're trying to market to everybody, what really ends up happening is you're actually not marketing effectively to anybody. You're listening to marketing coach Danny Decker. Danny started his own marketing business in a spare bedroom, then promptly grew it into a seven-figure enterprise over the next five years, helping small law firms increase their business. Danny has authored two books on marketing from his wealth of knowledge on this subject, and you're about to benefit from it because Danny is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing marketer Danny Decker, author of Marketing Simplified and the upcoming book, The Automatic Marketing Machine which is actually a great segue into what we're talking about today. Simple ways to make more money in your business through marketing. So Danny, welcome to the show. Steve, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm a big fan of your show and I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you listening. I'm excited to have you on the show because you've done what many solopreneurs dream of doing and they're maybe either taking the first steps or they're stuck in the grind along the way. And that was you. You took a business that you started, and I'm just kind of giving out some of your story here. I'm going to let you share more of it. But you started in a spare bedroom of your apartment and turned that into a seven-figure business in just five years. That's amazing. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that business. And you know, what did you do and how did you get that started? Yeah, I would love to, to chat about that. So I took my first job out of college in 2010, working for a small legal marketing agency. After about a year of doing that, I kind of came to the realization that I think I could do this on my own and I really want to start my own business. And so myself and a partner started in a spare bedroom, as you stated. And the funny thing is for about the first two years, we were just kind of treading water. We started out as a marketing agency working for any type of small business, really anywhere in the Miami, Florida area. So we were not real focused. We had a wide range of services and kind of a wide range of different clientele that that we worked with. And we were treading water for about two years, just kind of getting by. And then we got some really important advice from a business coach. And he basically said, you guys need to get a niche. You need to focus in and get specific. And the way we did that was we looked at, a, at about our, our 15 or so clients. We said, which, which ones are our best clients? And we had around three or four small law firms as clients. And they were great clients for a number of reasons. And so we made the decision from here moving forward, we are focusing our business on small law firms. And we are narrowing our menu of services so that instead of offering everything under the sun, we just stick to the four or five things that we do really well. And as soon as we made that shift, within just a few months, started to take off. And within two years, you know, we had gone from just two guys in an apartment barely making it to seven figures, 10 or 11 full-time employees, clients all over the country. And we never looked back. Yeah, that's terrific. And you know, they say the riches are in the niches. And that's so true because what you're doing is you're specializing and you're providing a very specific solution to a very specific problem. And that's why people pay you the very specific big money. <laughs> so that's that's terrific. Yeah, no, and that's exactly right. And so as you mentioned, I have a book coming out called The Automatic Marketing Machine. And one of the key points 
that we make at the beginning of that book is that you are going to be more successful as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, as a business owner, if you can focus in your marketing. Because if you're trying to market to everybody, what really ends up happening is you're actually not marketing effectively to anybody. And so that is really step number one that I preach to to businesses of all sizes, right? If you have to have a niche, it's just helpful in so many different ways. It's especially helpful, I think, for the solopreneurs of the world who maybe don't have an unlimited marketing budget. Because if you're trying to market to a wide a wide audience with a tiny budget, you're not making any impact for anybody. You just can't reach a large audience with a real small budget. When you have a much smaller audience, you can focus your spend and you do a lot better. So totally agree with you. The riches are really are in the niches, especially for smaller businesses. Yeah, Chris, before you got your niche, you still had to get clients of some type. So, you know, everybody's like, okay, where do we start? How did you get your first client? That's what everybody wants to know. Like, well, how did you get started in the first yeah. place? For us, it was hustling. We were in the, what I call the more time than money state, right? When, you know, we've got time because we don't have any clients. So we hit the BNI circuit. We hit the Chamber of Commerce circuit. We took everybody who would give us 45 minutes out for coffee. We just hustled and had conversations and unearthed a few opportunities and kind of built from there. But, you know, for the first, I don't know, couple of years of our business, we were really focused on that BNI type networking and just really spending a whole lot of time networking until we got systems in place and, and we started being able to, you know, kind of automate marketing and figure things out. But the first couple of years, it was all about relationships, all about networking. Yeah. And really business is about relationships anyways, but it's good to have that focused approach. I'm, I'm curious because you said that you kind of shifted your niche and your focus into working with, with small uh, law firms, sometimes solo lawyers and attorneys. So how did you get there? Was that like coming in from BNI referrals originally? Or what, how did you get up in that niche? Yeah, you know, we had a couple of BNI referrals or referrals from somebody. And so we were working with a few small law firms, but we also had some restaurants. We had some nonprofits. We had a smorgasbord, right? Just a wide range. And we literally, and I still remember to this day, we went through this exercise where we looked at our list of 15 or 16 clients and we just said, who are the best clients? Who are the ones that we get the best results for? And also who can afford to pay us rates that are, you know, that makes sense. And we highlighted all our law firms and we just said, all right, this is pretty clearly the direction that we need to go. So I think I saw somewhere when I was preparing for this conversation today that you had a lot of competition too, though. So what did you see with competition and how did you set yourself apart from them? Yeah, really good question. Because even back then, it was very competitive. And today, the, the marketing space is even more competitive. The first big thing we did was shifting to that niche, right? Because all of a sudden, all of a, like the pool of legal marketing firms is a lot, lot smaller than the pool of marketing firms. And so... If an attorney is considering hiring us or three other people, and the other three are generalists, and we come to them and say, hey, we are specializing in legal marketing, that's a big step up for us. But the other thing we did was we actually kind of went against the grain, even in the legal marketing space. In legal marketing, most businesses then, and even today, really, are all preaching search engine optimization. Like It's all about SEO. We'll get you to page one. And sure, there's a time and place for Google. But we actually thought that attorneys were going about marketing wrong and that they shouldn't be spending all this time and effort on SEO. And instead, they should be spending time 
nurturing and staying in touch with their past clients and their current clients and their referral sources. So we had a different message. So six firms are standing there talking about SEO. And here we are saying, SEO is a waste of money. Do this instead. And so we stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And that's funny because you go right against the grain there. That's one thing that I think every business owner should realize is that it's so much easier to greatly take care of your existing customers. And it's a lot cheaper than trying to bring in new people who don't know you because you have to build a relationship from ground zero if they don't know you and you haven't sold them anything yet. That's was- such a good point, Steve. And one of the stats that blew my mind was that if you actually quantify it, it's 15 times more expensive to go find a new client than it is to re-engage a past client. It's 15 times more expensive because to your point, you're starting from ground zero. And so my belief back when we started the agency and to this day, and one of the points that the automatic marketing machine is all about is that the most fertile ground for new business is those past relationships. And a lot of business owners intuitively know that, right? Because we get referrals and referrals happen. But what what most entrepreneurs aren't doing is proactive marketing to increase referrals. Right? People just think that, hey, referrals happen as a result of doing good work. And certainly that's true, but you can do so much more than that. And so, one of the things we talk about in the book is with a simple newsletter strategy where you actually stay in touch with your past customers and your referral sources once a week via email and then maybe once a month or once a quarter through print newsletter. Man, that is super powerful. And it's not sexy and it's not new and exciting. But it really works and it leads to referrals, which are not only cheaper to generate, but they also close at a much higher rate. Your much your conversion rate on a someone who's referred to you is typically three to four times higher than your conversion rate on somebody who found you cold through the internet. Yeah, and that only makes sense because anybody cold the internet, they don't know you yet. And they're taking a leap of faith to say, yeah, let me go ahead and, and buy from Danny or from buy from Steve or whoever, right? So Let's say that you're, you're brand new, though. I mean, you hustled. How did you overcome that? You didn't have an existing clientele yet to, to nurture. And I know you, you said you hustled, you got referrals and all. What can somebody who's like new, maybe they have a small audience, not, as, not big yet. What could they do today? Say, like, I need to make some money in the next 30 days. My business is like, I'm almost underwater here at Bills and I need to make some money. What can they do in the next 30 days Say to say, let me find some more income in either my existing clients, even if it's small or to get new, what would you say to somebody that was in that situation? There's a few different options there. And I'll, I'll just kind of throw them all out there. The first is really, really, really to put your nose to the grindstone in terms of networking and relationships. Like meet everybody in your town, right? Meet every single person, take all of them out for coffee. As many people as you can, as many conversations as you can, just getting out there and having conversations and looking to bring value to people is really, really powerful. If you do have some past customers to work from, and so you're not truly starting cold, then you have an advantage because you can also call up every one of those past customers and basically just say, hey, how are you doing? How's life? Is there anything else I can take off your plate? And most of the time, assuming they had a a reasonably good experience with you, they're going to say, well, yeah, actually, I do have this challenge. Can you help me with it? And you're probably going to get some work that way just by calling past customers and asking, what else can I help with? So that would be recommendation number two. Recommendation number three, and this is for the person that's truly cash desperate and really needs some revenue quickly. 
I don't advise this as a long-term solution, but there are platforms out there like Upwork, for example. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Steve, or if your listeners are, but it's yeah. a it's a freelance website where you can get gig, you can go hire freelancers, design your logo or whatever. But also if you do work, especially if your listeners do work in marketing or writing or anything like that, there's a constant demand for writers, designers, programmers, all sorts of, of, of skill sets, voiceover artists, book editors, database organizers. You can almost always go find something through Upwork to kind of pay the bills while you focus on networking and, and the other things we talked about. Yeah, and it's going to be probably a lower paying. I mean, I've hired people not to Upwork, but I've hired through Fiverr, a very similar service to Upwork. I'm familiar with both. But you know what? You can find some great talent there. And there's, sometimes they're just talent that's in the rough. So just a tip is, you know, the, the vice versa there. If you're looking for people you need to hire, that may be a place you can, can source some people if you don't have a big budget. Or if you just simply want to be you know, conscious about how much you're spending on a resource, you don't have to spend a ton of money sometimes. I think just sometimes they say you get what you pay for, but sometimes it's not true that way. It's whatever you, you find somebody who's a good resource because maybe they're overseas or cost of living is much lower. The money goes a lot farther and they still give you the great work. And I found that to be true. Yeah, 100% agree. I know this is a, almost a no-brainer question to ask you because you, you're a marketer and, and your focus is strictly on marketing. But what would you consider to be perhaps like the biggest, most important thing to do for effective marketing? Is there a single thing that says, if you don't have this, you really, you're missing the boat? Yeah. The first thing we actually already talked about, which is have a defined target market, right? Know who your customers are. It, once you've accomplished that, the second big shift that most entrepreneurs need to make is they need to understand that marketing isn't about themselves. It's not about how great Danny is or how great Steve is or how many years of experience you have or what college you went to. It's not about any of that stuff that we like to focus on. Effective marketing is all about how do you solve problems? How do you make life better for your customers? So switching your marketing from years of experience and awards and this and that to, I understand the problem that you're facing, Mr. Customer. I know how painful it is and I'm here to help, right? That shift where you're marketing to their pain points instead of to your resume, that's a night and day shift for a lot of business owners. Yeah. And those awards, I mean, they're nice for ego. They're nice, maybe a little bit for credibility, but really you, you take the award plaque and you in a couple of dollars, you might get a cup of coffee. It doesn't really help you a whole lot in business. When you want to make money, what you have to do is you have to focus on what the customer's needs are. And I, I'm 100% in agreement with you there. Let's go a little bit into this area. I'm thinking about not just building business fast, but building it for the long term. I know that most marketers, I'm, I'm just curious if you agree here, but I, I think there's really three ways that you can grow your business. You, you get new customers, or you can increase the average order value, or you can increase the customer lifetime value, which is kind of what we've been talking about here. And I think from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you would agree that probably increasing customer lifetime value is the easiest of the three to do because once you have them in your fold, all you have to do is, is delight your customer, provide the solutions to what they're looking for, and they're going to not just keep with you whenever they have that issue or want more help from you. They're also going to refer their friends. It seems to make sense to me. Is that what you would agree yeah. with? And, and not only would I say it's the easiest of the three you mentioned, it's also the most profitable. Right, because typically, if you increase customer lifetime value, 
that is generally your margin on that increase is pretty high as opposed to like, I would rather serve one client who's paying me $10,000 than serve two clients who are paying me $5,000. Right. And because cost of materials, cost of time, all of those things. And so if you focus, instead of just saying, get me more customers, if you focus on how can I serve each customer to a higher level and deepen the relationship and increase the value of that customer, that is the most profitable of those three categories that you identified as well, I would argue. Yeah. So obviously delighting the customer is one way we can increase lifetime value. Uh, What other specific things would you suggest we could do that would help increase that value over time? Fantastic question. Delighting them is a great place to start. Another is making sure you're actually capitalizing on all of your upselling and cross-selling opportunities. I've done a lot of work in the past with attorneys. Oftentimes, attorneys will have kind of a broad range of services. So they may help with divorce, but they also help with child custody and kind of a, a variety of different things. And what will sometimes happen is a client will hire an attorney to help them with one problem, but then doesn't realize that that attorney can also help them with another problem. And so they'll literally go find a new attorney to help them with their second problem. When they, if they had only known that the first attorney could help them, they would have happily worked with them because they had a relationship with them. So just, so the lesson there is you got to make sure your customers and clients know all of the different ways you can help them. You might be helping them with problem number one, you got to make sure they know that you can help them with problems two, three, and four as well. And you can't make that assumption. Like that's the thing as business owners, we sometimes think, oh man, like my customers know that they know that I can do these other things. Like don't make that assumption. You have to be proactive about educating them on all the different problems you can solve. So that that would be one. And I'll just throw one other out there at you while we're on this subject. Just being proactive about staying in front of your customers and your past customers is really, really important. We all would like to believe that, hey, if you had coffee with me or if you had an engagement with me, you're going to remember me for the rest of your life, right? I would love to think that I'm so memorable that everybody I work with is going to remember me for the rest of my life. It's not true. And in today's world where we're just saturated with information from all fronts, you have to be proactive about staying in touch with people. And so one of the things we talk about in the automatic marketing machine is you need to have an email newsletter and you need to have a social media campaign that specifically targets your past clients and your referral sources so that without you picking up the phone and calling them, without you doing anything manual, just automatically they are... Uh, being exposed to you over and over again through email, through social media, and things like that. You have to stay in front of them. And when you do that, you're more likely to get repeat engagements with them. You're also more likely to get referrals from them, both of which increase lifetime value. Right. You have to stay top of mind. It's basically what we're saying here is you do have to be. I'm, say, I'm saying we're saying here because I didn't say anything, but I totally agree with what you're saying. You have to stay in front of your audience. Otherwise, it's easy to forget you over time. I mean, yes, you may have had a great experience last year. But if you haven't talked to them in six months, they're not as likely to think of you when something comes up. Yeah. And in today's day and age, like that, on one hand, it's like, yeah, that's not rocket science. You're like, Danny, I know that. Like, that's not rocket science. But what I have found is that most entrepreneurs I talk to know that intuitively. But then when I say, okay, so what are you actually doing to stay top of mind? It's like nothing. They're not doing anything. And so that's where it's like, you've just got to have these systems in place. You've got to have 
a regular email newsletter. You've got to have a social media campaign targeting your referral sources. You have those two boxes checked, you know, you're in a great place. And so for me, and I imagine, Steve, I know you work with a lot of solopreneurs. It's really, it's, it's less about the strategy. It's more about the execution. You got to buckle down and just actually execute on this stuff. So for anybody who's listening and is saying, well, newsletters, that's not, there's nothing new about that. My challenge to you is, okay, do you have a newsletter? Is it going out consistently? If so, great. I'll give you some better, some more advanced ideas. But if not, we'll start by executing on that. And then we can talk about a more sophisticated strategy. Yeah, great point. And that's, that's what a lot of people say. Well, I know I should be doing that, but it's hard. I have to come up with content. Where do I get all this material from? Um, but what do you suggest to somebody who's just getting started and they don't have a newsletter yet or, or they, they, you know, they have three people on their email list, including their mom? How do you grow that? What would you suggest to somebody say, here's the content you ought to be putting out yeah. on a regular basis? Well, do you have a particular suggestion there? Yeah. So unless, I think there's two issues there. One is what do you do when you only have three people on your list? And two is how do you start producing content? And so let's go with number one first. If you only have three people on your list, you got to be doing what I've already said. You got to be out hustling and networking and meeting people. And every time you meet somebody, you get their newsletter, you get their business card. And then when you get back to the office, you add them to your list. And if you're in startup mode and you're hustling, you know, you could easily be meeting five people a week, you know, and now you've got 20 people you know, 23 people after your first month and six months in, you've got 120 people and it starts to multiply, but you've got to have that discipline of getting their business card, putting them on your, on your list. Uh, I want to interject there just, just for folks listening. I think the first 80 or hundred people, whatever on my list came from folks I already knew. I said, Hey, would you like to be in this community I'm developing? And I just want to make sure I have your permission to put you on the email list for that. And I got their yes. And I entered their names manually. Now, over the long term, you want them to sign up on an opt-in form, not manually entering the names necessarily, unless it's an in-person networking. And even then, maybe maybe send them to an opt-in form. But still, because some email providers like mine is A. Weber, and they get a little sketchy about folks putting in you know, 2,000 names that you put in manually. They want to make sure people are actually agreeing to get your emails. But when you're first getting started, that's a great way to everybody you meet. All right, you know already that has an interest in what you're going to send out. That's, that's great. I'll, I'll let you keep going. I just wanted to interject there that, hey, that's how I started. I got my first like 100 or so uh, that way. I love it. And that's how I started too. And you're totally right. Eventually, you get to the point where you have more sophisticated, you have opt-in pages, and you're doing all kinds of digital stuff. But you can get started with a strategy you and I just discussed tomorrow. You know, There's no tech barrier for that. But then, yeah. So I think the second part of, of your question was, where do you start with creating content? And is it a little time consuming? Yes. And if you're in that stage of your business where you don't have the budget to hire somebody to create content for you, well then, yeah, you're going to have to invest a little bit of time in doing it. My encouragement for people is to repurpose, right? So if you, for example, a lot of people would prefer to speak rather than write. I actually like writing, but a lot of people would prefer to speak. And so I'll encourage them to do videos or even podcasts where you get spoken words out there and then you go to Upwork and you hire somebody to just transcribe it for you. Or you just use, um, oh, there's a service. I can't remember what it's called that just transcribes audio files for you. I'm thinking Otter AI, but I think that's for live video. Yeah. I think it transcribes on the fly. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a bunch of them that just quick and cheap will transcribe it for you. And now you've got written content that you can use in your newsletter, you can use on your blog. But also, so that's number one is create a video and then repurpose that into written content. But if you're sitting there saying, well, okay, what's my video about? Like, what should my content be about? 
that's a really important question. And that's where, to me, it comes back to what are the pain points? What are the questions? What are the problems that your customers are having? Create a video speaking to that, right? So I, as somebody who does a lot of speaking and workshops and around marketing, I will often get the question, what can I do if I don't have any money? And so I have filmed videos talking about that. I have created written reports talking about that. I've done webinars talking about that, just speaking directly to that question because it's one that I get all the time. And so for a solopreneur who's thinking about, well, what kind of content should I create? I would say the first thing to say is what questions do your customers ask you all the time? What pain points do your customers have? Speak to those. That's where I would start. Yeah. And beyond even just that, let's go back even earlier in, in that whole solopreneur journey. If you're trying to say, what kind of business should I start? Maybe ask yourself, hey, in my job, what's the questions I'm always getting asked? What am I helping people with all day long? And I wish you would just stop asking me a hundred times, maybe write a book about it, start a business about it, get paid for it. So yeah, that's, that's an opportunity right there too. Where are you being asked? Yeah. And I think that's great, Steve. And it's funny because I was having a conversation about this with somebody and we tend, a lot of us tend to almost not realize the value in the things that we're really good at. So let's say, you know, your example, if, if somebody's at work and that, let's say they're good at writing. And so they're often, their colleagues are coming to them saying, how can I phrase this? How can I phrase this? And that guy may not even realize what a special talent it actually is to be able to write and communicate in a really effective way. And so just because it's easy to him though, doesn't mean it's easy to everybody else. And so it's like almost having that realization that, listen, if there's something you're good at that most other people seem to not be good at because they keep asking you for help, well, you're on to something there. And you're, you're exactly right, Steve. You probably can build a business or at least launch a business around that. You know, I call it your superpower. You know, what's your superpower? The thing that everybody else is coming to you for help for, there's probably a business you could build around that. Yeah, and I have to say something. This is totally off topic in a sense, but it's, it's related to what we were just talking about, you know, in a way. Here's what it is. Some people think you have to be in love and passionate about whatever business you're starting. I don't subscribe to that. I think it's great to do what you love, but this whole idea of, you know, do what you love and the money will follow, that's only partially true. What you need to do is you need to find a problem you can solve and the money will follow. And I want to ask you this question because that came to mind. Did you have a particular interest or passion in helping lawyers when you started your marketing business? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I love your sort of premise around that. And I agree with that. I think it's great to do something that you love, but you also got to get paid. And so for me, I think I have an interesting blend of those two kind of things where I was a natural communicator, like written communications and, and just communications in general came naturally to me, which meant that I was predisposed towards marketing, right? I Marketing is about communication, first and foremost. That's what it is. So I enjoy communication. Now, do I, did I specifically enjoy working with lawyers? No, can't say that I did. I have come to really appreciate the critical role that lawyers play in our society. And I definitely appreciate the average lawyer is very intelligent and passionate and driven. And I appreciate all those things. But did I wake up in the morning saying, my God, I can't wait to wake up this morning or to get out of bed and go market for lawyers. No, that's not something that when I was six years old, I was dreaming about, right? I was dreaming about playing professional football. That's what I was dreaming about. <laughs> yeah. I love what you said, Danny, too, is, you know, it wasn't that you started that way, but you also came to grow to 
appreciate the area of business you are in more because of your interaction with those who you are helping. Yeah. And, that, and that speaks to the point that business is all about relationships yep. and you're building relationships with people you're helping. And I'll even go one step further, Steve, and say that, in my opinion, the real reason to build a business is not even to get fulfillment out of the services that you provide. The real reason, in my opinion, to build a business is so that you can eventually create a business that begins to run without and a business that allows you to spend your time doing the things you want to do, right? And provides, gives you the money that you need to live the life that you want to live. And so to me, your business is ultimately a means to an end. And the end is the thing I hope you really, really enjoy. Like, I hope you really know what you want your life to look like and how you want to spend your time. And listen, it's great if you enjoy the business and if you enjoy the process of getting there. But in my opinion, ultimately, your business is meant to serve and facilitate and empower the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I, I love the fact that you got to get back to the why, because to me, when I started my first successful solopreneur business, because I've had failures <laughs> left and right before I had my first successful business. And I started my writing business in 2007, but I had a why that drove me. It wasn't because I was thrilled about writing as a business. It was a vehicle to a lifestyle. And sometimes I think it's okay as a solopreneur to say, hey, let me find the right vehicle to the lifestyle I want. And I can always pivot or shift into a, a different model because you're still building business skills. You're building your, a Rolodex of relationships with people that you're going to know and, and you're going to build a relationship with them that in the next stage, wherever that is. And you, I believe you've kind of done the same thing. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you, you had that first business and sold it, right? Was I mistaken there? I think you had an exit, didn't you? Yeah, no, that's correct. I did. I sold my agency back in 2018. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit about that because a lot of folks are thinking like, because you mentioned also about, you know, you building assets, building something where you, the business doesn't need you to be in it for it to keep going. And to exit, you kind of have to build a business that doesn't need you specifically in it to keep yeah. going, obviously. So what was it that brought you to a stage to say, I'm ready to exit? What did you say had to be in place so that you could say, I'm, I'm comfortable with an exit? I can actually, were you seeking an exit? Somebody came to you and said, hey, I'd love to buy your business. How did that come about? Yeah. So kind of the first part of your question is you're exactly right. Like I was fortunate that I was able to build the business in such a way that I could exit because myself and my business partner were intentional about building it around systems and people rather than just putting it all on our shoulders. And so I then had the ability to even have an exit conversation. And what, as far as why, I got to the point, Steve, where after six years or so of, of running an agency, I sensed and felt passionate about the idea that most small business owners don't really understand marketing strategy. And they are bouncing around like a pinball from marketing vendor to marketing vendor to marketing vendor, and they're never getting the results that they want. And so they're frustrated and they don't know how to grow their business. And I saw a need for somebody who could come in and sit on the side of the business owner and help them come up with a strategy and then help them go find the vendors that they need to execute on that strategy. And so in 2018, I sold my business and then I created a, a consultancy basically doing what I just described. And I still have a small handful of private clients even today. But I quickly got to the point where I realized, man, like there is way more need and demand out there for this type of education than I can provide on my own. And so that's where I shifted into doing workshops, 
and digital products. And that's where ultimately the Automatic Marketing Machine book came about. We have a whole suite of workshops and uh, digital products and worksheets and all sorts of, of things, all designed to help business owners take control of their marketing strategy, understand what marketing is, make data-driven decisions, manage their vendors, and all of that. So that was kind of a long-winded way of saying, yes, I was able to build a business that I could exit. And then when I saw another opportunity that I judged to be both financially lucrative and personally fulfilling, I took that leap. Yeah, but it came down to you started with building something that didn't require you. And that's what we have to do. And I love what you said. It wasn't just processes, because I think you have to have that in growth to have sustained growth, but people matter. Whether you're still a solopreneur, I know some people who have built seven and eight figure businesses as solopreneurs and they didn't have a W2 team, but I guarantee you, every one of them had at least a virtual team. That's like you mentioned, vendors or it's VAs or whatever. Maybe they're 1099, but they're still a team. And I think that's really important to remember that you still have a team, no matter whether the W2 employees in, in an office or they're, they're spread across the world as virtual, you still have a team. Could not agree more. That is fundamentally critical. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So solopreneurs, you're not alone. <laughs> and if you are alone, you're probably not going to go too far. You might get to six figures. I don't think you'll ever get to seven very easily without some kind of team support anyways. Bingo. Um, or you're rare, you're rare bird if you do. So let's kind of come back around to one more thing here. You've mentioned your book is coming up and this is early March as we're recording here. I believe your book is coming out, was it April 19th? So the book is in stores April 19th, but it's available for pre-order. Steve, by the time this episode airs, I'm sure it'll be available for pre-order. It should be by March 11th or so, it should be available. So for all intents and purposes, it's available for pre-order on Amazon right now. Awesome. So yeah, so make sure you get a copy of the book. He also has a great book, as I mentioned earlier, Marketing Simplified. I've actually read part of the book. I haven't finished it yet, but I just want to mention folks that that's a great book as well. And it'll give you some insights into marketing strategy and just from what I saw there, I know that the automatic marketing machine book that Danny's working on is going to be, or not, not working on, he's, he's getting it out to the world here. By the time you hear this, it'll be either in the world or just about to hit the shelves. So make sure you go ahead and pre-order that. I would encourage you to do that. Danny, I know you have a lot of resources on your website. So why don't you share that so folks can get in touch with you and, and learn more about what you're doing? Because I, I want to make sure that folks can take advantage of the many resources you have for them. Yeah, I appreciate that, Steve. So the website is automaticmarketingmachine.com www.automaticmarketingmachine.com. And there you can pre-order the book. But also to your point, we have a whole ton of free resources on the website, really designed for small business owners to help kind of refine your messaging, to get clear on who your target customers are. We have some KPI tracking spreadsheets, which are meant to basically teach you how to simply and easily make sense of your marketing campaigns. Is it working? Is it not? How do I even know? So we have a whole wealth of totally free resources on the website, which you can download and start using even if you never order the book. So of course, I'd love it if everybody ordered the book, but you don't need to. Just go to automaticmarketingmachine.com and we've got a ton of free stuff that we can uh, give you. Also there, you can get the links to our LinkedIn and Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and all that. And we do a ton of educational videos that go out once a week or sometimes even more more frequently than that. So we're all about, uh, both myself and my co-author, all about giving value and, and educating business owners. We just really believe that marketing is, is just foundational for a business owner. Until you figure out your marketing, 
you can't grow your business to its full potential, right? You can be the best lawyer or the best restaurant owner or the best technician, but until you figure out marketing, if you don't have any customers, then it's all just theoretical, right? You got to have customers. And so we're all about kind of educating and empowering business owners, no matter where they are in that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. But Danny, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your time today. And thank you for joining us. Steve, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. Did you find this episode helpful and inspiring? If so, help others find it too by leaving this Solopreneur Success episode a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. It really makes a big difference in helping other solopreneurs like you find this resource. You can find the show notes for this episode, including links to Danny's books and other resources mentioned on the show at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 055. Thank you for listening.